Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Welcome in for the weekend edition. So great. Welcome aboard. Like you do every single weekend. It's so great to have you along for the ride. We have a lot to talk about this weekend, although... I will say, I'm not sure how many people are actually, are we, Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Are we being distracted a little bit? I know there's something, but what's going on this weekend? There's a big thing going on this weekend, and I can't seem to put my finger on it. Oh, that's right. Living in Kansas, we have a major football game or something coming up this weekend. So I guess that you're all focused on that, you know, having parties, having a good time. But nonetheless, there's a lot of things to talk about. So it's so wonderful to have you. You can find us on our website at HoosierReason.com. That's H-O-O-S-E-R reason.com and our social media at Hoosier Reason. Again, no R, or I'm sorry, no I. There's an R. There's there's no I in Hoosier. I can spell my name at Hoosier Reason and HoosierReason.com. Coming up, bottom of this hour, fascinating conversation we're going to have with Dr. Jerry Crete. He is a marriage and family therapist, and he is author of the latest book, Litanies of the Heart, as he talks about anxiety, depression, stress, all the mental health issues that we see in society and the growing concern of these mental health issues in society, and ways that we can start working through them, ways that we can start tackling them, ways that we can actually start uh, working on getting past them a little bit. Because for whatever reason right now, we have more anxiety and stress in society than we ever have before. And I think it's something that we need to discuss. I think it's something that we need to address because it's not going to go away anytime soon unless we actually focus some attention on it. So Jerry Crete will be joining us at the bottom of this hour Looking forward to that one. Show of hands, how many people are actually going to watch the Super Bowl this year? Chad, come on here for just a moment, Chad. I know that we were talking briefly off here. You're not uh, too terribly excited about this one, but will you end up watching the game or at least by default at a party or something? I will watch it because I'll be around it. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. But you have no interest in actually sitting and paying attention to it. Not this year. No. Why not? Why? Uh, just just don't I like the teams. Don't, I don't follow the teams. I'm not. I'm not really invested in it. I haven't really gotten to watch all the NFL games this year, so you know. Okay, it all is right. what it is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I I will tell you that I have been, and I'm pretty proud of this fact. I have not watched a single NFL game all season long. Not one. Not a single one. Not even a really college game. Number one. I don't have a lot of time. Number two, I'm not terribly that interested in it. And number three, I'm still kind of half protesting the NFL from all the wokeness that happened a few years ago with the kneeling of the national anthem, which is which is kind of just a little bit ridiculous. And I'm still hesitant to want to watch the game this weekend as well because of the playing of the black national anthem after the American national anthem which really begs the question, why do we have a secondary national anthem when we have one that's supposed to be uniting of the entire nation? And if you're not part of this nation, then what the hell are we doing here? What? I, I, don't, I don't understand what this is. I thought this was America. Yeah, so we have, <laughs> we have to figure out what we're doing here, and I'm still half wanting to protest it, but I am interested not based on necessarily the game, although coming from Kansas, I guess, then I have to be particular to, or favorable to one side, and I will probably support the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm more interested in two other things. The politics of the messaging of what may be portrayed to us with either the Black National Anthem, other type of protesters standing that they do, and the halftime show with some type of messaging or some type of vision or some type of uh, symbolism that they're going to try and give us, which everybody always tries to break that one down, because this is the highest rated televised event 
of the entire year. And some are saying this is going to be the highest rated televised event in the history of TV. They're expecting record breaking numbers for people to watch this game and not just watch it, but also gamble on it. According to studyfinds.com, 78, almost 78, uh, I'm sorry, 68 million American adults are expected to bet a total of near $23.1 billion on Super Bowl 58. 68 million people putting in over $23 billion in gambling. Now, of course, that's going to be record-shattering because more states have legalized sports gambling where you can actually do that. So that makes sense why more people are doing it. But not only are they doing it just to try and make money, but they're going to be watching it, obviously, to make sure that they win or lose their actual bets. But that tells you that when something big like this happens, are we going to see some type of messaging or agenda, some type of protest that will be in front of our face because they always have to politicize everything. And if they do, I don't want to watch it. I want to. I have to because it's my job, but I don't really I don't want to pay attention to it. At the same time, and Chad, I'm sure you can agree on this as well, that we used to watch the Super Bowl not only for the game, but for the commercials yes. and how entertaining the commercials were, yes. right? I mean, when was the last time that you saw a really good commercial? Last year during the Super Bowl. <laughs> really? You oh, did see yeah. a good one last year? Uh, several of them, yeah. Shocking. That's do interesting. I, do I remember them? No. But okay. I remember right. seeing them and thinking, why don't we see these throughout the year? Interesting. All right. Well, I got to I have not been impressed by Super Bowl ads really in like the past six or seven years. Or even beyond that. I mean, the classics of, you know, the, the frogs that were singing Budweiser or the what's up kind of thing. Remember those? Or, you know, the Doritos that were like almost inappropriate, but hilarious that were on TV because Doritos always like to do the shock and awe. We had the Bud Light commercials that had like girls out in bikinis and doing their thing. Like that was, those were the days as a kid growing up and like, wow, this is the Super Bowl. And I may not be paying attention the rest of the football season, but I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, not only for the hype of the game, but because the commercials were out of this world. I have not seen any. But the Clydesdales are back. They are back. I will give them credit for the Clydesdales. They are coming back. They're trying to. And Bud Light, after their whole branding snafu with the transgender issue, they're trying to rebrand themselves as well. They're apparently the official beer or beer sponsor of the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're, uh, they're I guess, trying to make a comeback for alpha maleism. But I have to be honest, and here's put on your tinfoil hat for just a moment. I have a theory about what these, uh, these, these uh, commercials may look like for this year. And this year, they're going to look like they're pandering more so to the young generation, the teen boppers, and the tweenies. Why? I'm going to give you two words. Can you guess it, Chad? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. And not that she's an integral part of the actual football game, but because she has generated so much excitement to this. And I said this on my weekday program just a few days ago, that... The uh, Super Bowl actually is being broadcast and being promoted on Nickelodeon for the children. Oh, yeah. Why? Because the vast majority of the young generation are Swifties. They enjoy that kind of music. And how much she's impacted the sport of the NFL, I'm curious on how many of these commercials are now not going to be directed towards the maleness, the men, the alpha males watching a football game, wanting to see the testosterone, wanting to actually watch the game and cheer on their team. It's not going to be directed towards that. It's going to be directed more towards the family event of Taylor Swift and how many appearances that we can see her at the Super Bowl. And the young generation, the young kids in the Swifties, 
that are paying attention to the game. Do you think we're going to see that? I, I wonder. I think she has become the Marilyn Monroe of her time. You think she's that? I mean, I guess so by default, but I, why? I guess the question is why. Why is she that fascinating? Because I, I got to be honest, I do not know a single song that she sings outside of her being extremely popular and singing kind of sort of country or pop. I have no clue. I don't know how she uh, how she became so big because I don't follow her. I don't care and I don't know. I don't know how she became such a fascination to people. But, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is crazy. And now all of a sudden she's got, what, three albums of the year? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. But people love it. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but people love it. So she will be the fascination, and I'm, I'm wondering. I know the NFL obviously is going to be piggybacking on this because there's a huge revenue stream for it. But at the same time, I, I don't know how long this can last and the fad can last of appealing to this young crowd because the young crowd's not there to actually watch the game. They're they're there to watch the flashiness around the game that keeps them paying attention while the game's actually being broadcast on how many times you can flip over to Taylor Swift. And if they're going to start appealing the ads and direct it towards that sense, then I'm going to be curious on how well the NFL is going to be doing in a few years from now. Nonetheless, this is going to be one of the biggest events out there, which is why I'll pay attention to it. We'll watch it and see what happens. But they're planning on seeing shattering records for TV and for gambling in total, near $23 billion being uh, gambled away at this game right now. And they're looking at major ratings on TV that could shatter this all over the place as well. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Speaking of, let's do some weekend review stuff. we got a lot to talk about outside of just the Super Bowl for those that are wanting to talk about some issues, shall we? It's your Week in Review. Speaking of shattering records, I doubt that we're going to see this many people pay attention to the Super Bowl that ended up watching this video. If you have not watched it, I highly recommend that you pay attention and watch this video if you get an opportunity to do so. Go on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it and go to Tucker Carlson's page. And for the two hours, if you have the opportunity, look, how many people sit there and watch the two-hour episode of Joe Rogan, right? If you have an opportunity, sit down and watch the two-hour interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin. Fascinating information. Now, you can take it with a grain of salt, and you can say that it's true. You can say that it's not true. However you want to approach this issue doesn't really matter. But first off, you got to give kudos to Tucker for sitting down and doing an interview with Vladimir Putin when the media lost their minds over the fact that uh, Tucker Carlson was the guy that was able to get the interview. First, they said that he was a sellout. He was a Russian agent, which they've told him that for years and accused him that for years. And the fact that, oh, I can't believe he's actually sitting down with the communist president of Russia. How dare you? Why aren't you bringing on Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine and wondering why that uh, we're not just advocating for like a, you know, a live drive on TV about trying to raise funds for Ukraine or something? How dare you sit down with Russia? And then, of course, we find out all the media outlets tried to do the same thing and that he had denied all of them, but chose Tucker Carlson because he's a historian and that he sits down and does a conversation as opposed to just a media hit. So a major one. And in the first 24 hours of this had 150 million views, 150 million views on this. Now it's up to this weekend, at least right now, where I'm looking at 183. That's another 30 million from just like two days ago. Kind of crazy how quickly this thing grew and blew up. And it shed some light on some information. And we always say, what do I say in this program? That I always agree that I can respect someone if I can understand their thought process. I may not agree with them, 
but there's a difference between respecting their view, respecting their position based on their individual personal circumstance, and disagreeing with it because you have your own. And that's totally okay. But understanding and agreeing are two completely separate things. If you watch the interview, and I'll give you the quick summation. If you have watched it, you already know this. If you haven't, then I highly recommend it. But the first 30 minutes of it was literally a history lesson that that, uh, Vladimir Putin gave us about the history of Russia, the history of Ukraine, and the, the Ruse Vikings that came down from Scandinavia and settled in Kiev, ended up spreading eastward and creating Russia. And, and that was all the way back in like the 800s. He went back to this. I mean, we got a detailed history of that region. But it all led up to the point where he was making the claim that he doesn't see the region of Ukraine, at least the borders that we have right now that are defined, as an actual state because they were never supposed to be, according to him, never were supposed to be an actual state. That the way that Ukraine came to be as it is right now was based on some revolutions that happened back in like this, the, the, back in the 1600s and then the Polish and the Hungarians and then all leading up to the 19 whatevers, early 1900s, when apparently the CIA helped stage a coup and created a neo-Nazi revolution in Ukraine that is now trying to separate themselves from Russia when they were supposed to have this big partnership throughout the entire thing. That was the history lesson that we got, justifying the fact that he just wants portions of Ukraine and fighting against something what? Neo-Nazism. Whoa. We'll talk some more about that when we come back here. It's the weekend right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy's latest product. Tired of faking your political identity? Stressed out from playing both sides of the aisle and appeasing special interests? It's time to try RhinoVape. Clear your mind and your conscience with RhinoVape by shedding the false code of republicanism and come to terms with your true feelings. I was a Republican for years, but I hate Trump. I hate lower taxes and I hate traditional values. After I took a hit on my RhinoVape, I realized I'm not a Republican at all. I finally feel comfortable in my political coat and I can stop lying to my constituents. Thank you, RhinoVape. You helped me clear the fog from my mind. Now I can fight for what I truly believe in, taking away your rights. Just inhale the Rhino Vape from the back end of your donkey-shaped vaping tool and let the world change before your eyes. Now available in multiple flavors. Try the all-new I Hate My Current Gender Berry or the cookies and I Love Collecting Metadata Cream. And we can't forget the rocky road to America's border. Or our most popular bubblegum-flavored closet-case liberal cotton candy. Rhino Vape. Side effects may include delusions of efficient government programs, economic growth through taxation, and long-term envy of people who are more successful than you. Smugness may increase with long-term use of Rhino Vape. Not a substitute for real values or political platforms. Keep out of reach of children. Do not take Rhino Vape if you're pregnant and you actually care about your child. Rhino Vape, the help you need to accept the liberal mindset into your heart, your head, and your political affiliation. Find more products from the Voice of Reason online at HoosierReason.com.
It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You know, after listening to the interview with Vladimir Putin on Tucker Carlson, which, by the way, is sitting at 183 million views. 183 million. Imagine that. That is, by the way, about the population of the size of Russia. That is roughly half the population, maybe a little over half the population of the nation of the United States. That's a massive amount of people sitting there watching an interview on a social media site that's exclusively on Twitter. That is Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson's media group or whatever he's calling himself now. Uh, the TCN, the Tucker Carlson Network on X, which is what his show is, interviewing Vladimir Putin. And you don't have to agree with the guy. Again, he's a communist. He's a former KGB individual looking to try and reestablish the Soviet Union. But he made some interesting points or at least some interesting claims while he was in there. And again, if you want to stop bloodshed, what did Donald Trump say on the campaign trail a few months ago? Was that uh, what would you do when it comes to the Ukraine-Russian incident? He's like, I'd stop the war. Well, what side are you on? I'm not on a side. I want to stop the bloodshed. Well, you have to choose a side. Why do we have to choose a side? This right versus wrong, left versus right, up versus down, white versus black, all this other garbage where this division comes from. The media has turned us into you're either supporting Russia or you're supporting Ukraine. No, I just don't want people to blow each other up. What a concept. And I don't want to give away all of our taxpayer money into a nation like Ukraine when, you know, should we be helping allies? Sure, we should help our allies. Of course we should. We should be helping out Ukraine. We should be helping out Israel. However, there's need to be stipulations to them. And then at some point you have to say, wow, we've sent like $100 billion over to the Ukraine. Maybe we should back off a little bit or at least, you know, reevaluate what we're doing here or come back to the table to try and defuse the situation, which according to Putin said that he's willing to do if the U.S. was willing to come to the table and actually have a conversation. But his whole argument was that, the borders of Ukraine aren't really what borders of Ukraine should be and that they're fighting neo-Nazis at the border. Now, look at it from his perspective for just a moment. Step out of the shoes. Put yourself in the other person's shoes for a moment, right? Whether you agree or think that he's nuts or a communist or not, according to the interview, he says that he's concerned about neo-Nazism, which I would be concerned about neo-Nazism as well. We had an ongoing you know, embargo against Cuba for the longest time because we didn't want communism, right? Barack Obama raised that. So where we can buy, thankfully, we can borrow and buy Cuban cigars. But now we allow communism to come into the country. So there's kind of a give and take there. But he's concerned about neo-Nazism. And he's concerned about NATO at his borders, which he gave kind of a brief history about NATO and wanting to work their way eastward when they don't want to be part of that. And, of course, he says after the fall of the Soviet Union, they tried to be part of the global market. They tried to be BFF with the United States. And he said that they got shunned as kind of you know, feeling like they were never accepted on the global table. So now they're just kind of doing their own thing. And whether you agree with them or not, that's his perspective. And as I guess as the negotiator, as the level-minded individual that always tries to find the middle ground here, you know, you look at it and say, all right, while your idea of the world may be flawed, in order to stop the carnage that's going on, we should at least have a conversation and go, now we understand your position. Let's figure out a way to get a ceasefire or at least to stop the madness. Have Russia begin to start pulling out just a little bit. I'm not saying that we should agree with Russia. I'm not saying that we should like Vladimir Putin because nowadays, if you say, hey, let's just stop the madness, all of a sudden you're a communist and you like Russia, which I'm wondering if we can use the same argument against the other side of the aisle now. Because if it's true 
where quote unquote neo Nazis are running rampant. And he talks about how uh, there's a lot of them that are just hailing about the some of the old leaders of Hitler and the Nazis in Germany and so on and so forth there in Ukraine. If that's the case, then Democrats supposedly, I guess we could start playing the same game with them as that Democrats are actually advocating to fund and financially support Nazis in Ukraine. Oh, you like that game there, Democrats? We can play it too. Yeah, we can play that game too. My question is, at the end of the day, is why are we not allowed to ask questions? Why are we not allowed to question what we're doing over there? We'll break some more of that down when we come back around the corner. Plus, we have our guest on the program, Dr. Jerry Crete, right around the corner here on the weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. On the ride, as usual... We talk a lot about mental health on the program and obviously from a political spin of when we see mass shootings, when we see the political side of uh, how bad it can be across the nation. We hear about so many young generation individuals that are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal tendencies. Breaks my heart and it makes you really think on what the heck's going on in society all over the place. Happy to have on the program to talk about this and so much more. He's a marriage and family therapist, also the author of the latest book, Litanies of the Heart. Happy to have on here Dr. Jerry Crete. Jerry, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on here. Appreciate it very much. Uh, first off, let's talk about the numbers for just a moment because we, we seem like every day that there are so many people on antidepressants, so many people that have anxiety or stress, and I get it, it's a stressful time, but it seems like today, in today's age, either we're weaker or we're starting to finally process trauma, or I don't know what's going on, but everybody seems to have some level of anxiety or stress. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I think about this issue of anxiety and why it seems like we have more of it now than we did maybe 40 years ago or 100 years ago even, I really do link it in part to a sense in which, despite the fact that we have more technology or more things at our service, we're actually more on and we're more connected all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's a perception of, I have to always be on top of everything. I have to always know everything. I always have to succeed. And I have to do it now all the time. And so I think there's a perception of threat, like any kind of anxiety is about a perception threat. And sometimes it's an actual threat, right? Like if a bear is chasing you, there's an actual threat. Yeah. But sometimes it's like I'm stuck in traffic and I'm, and I'm going to be late for work or my boss might be angry at me or I might miss the deadline or whatever it is. And so you, you're living with a perception threat and there's nothing you can do, yeah. you know, in that moment, at least. Like if the bear is chasing you, you run. Right. If somebody's attacking, you might have to fight them. But if you're actually, we live in worlds where we're constantly feeling like we're threatened and we have no way of doing, in the moment anyway, if doing anything about it, or at least that's the perception. So there's almost a sense of helplessness along with the anxiety, depression, stress that you're feeling at the same time as well, then. Yeah, it could become helplessness because you're. Like I think we're meant we're meant to be able to to respond to threats in the moment, and if you can't, then you're you're storing it up. And I think we kind of store that up often even in our bodies. So there's like a somatic or a physical 
way in which we're carrying distress and we're not discharging it. So like we're, you know, for me anyway, I know if I'm stressed or whatever, or if I'm running late, I'll, I'll tense my shoulders, for yeah. example. And some people will like tighten, you know, their arms or they'll feel it in their gut or their chest. And we're, so we're storing this sort of sense of, of threat or something I need to do. I'm feeling anxious because anxiety is a physical thing. And, and yet, and we're not discharging it. Sure. And, and, and there's, or if we are, it's like so much later after the fact. And we're, we've been carrying it for a long time. And I actually think that's the correlation between anxiety, the sense of threat, and not being able to discharge it, and eventually leading to depression. Mm. Because after a while, your body is so weakened from holding stress that never gets discharged that then you, a depression isn't, isn't just that. It isn't sadness, exactly. It's, it's like a lethargy. It's like, I, I can't move. Yeah. I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't have, I can't find energy for anything. And that's the other side of this. That's unfortunate. I know this is kind of a rhetorical question, but how much is social media implicated in in this as well? Yeah. I mean, it's it's my opinion. Again, I'm not basing it on some kind of research study per se. Um, And so much has changed so recently, but I really think it's a big part of it. And I, I see younger people, especially where their whole lives are being lived you know, in their minds anyway, but on social media. And so they're managing a perception of themselves that's outside of themselves and open to a lot of, you know, possible attack or perception of attack or perception of judgment. And so they're, you're constantly having to monitor and manage an outward perception, kind of like, well, you know, like a celebrity or something, right, is, is at a certain level they're always, you know, if you're Princess Diana back in the day or whatnot, you're constantly being observed. You're constantly being, uh, people are wanting to know. And, and these young people, they may not be constantly observed, but they have the sense that they are. Yeah. And so you're, you're a lot, you're not living in the presence is how it feels to me with people as much. You're not living in the day to day. That's a sort of a slower pace and relating to people day to day. You're constantly on. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, being a marriage and family therapist and working in it from that angle, how does this affect the family? You mentioned, obviously, not just the stress. I mean, you're right. I mean, we have traffic. We get tense. I, I get angry. You know, I yell a little bit, maybe throw a few little hand signals, you know, at individuals as you drive by. But at the end of the day, you know, to me, for me at least, that's done and it's over. But that's really the symptom that's uh, that's not just a symptom of an issue. It's not the actual root cause of why we were so worked up in the first place. So how is this affecting the family units at home for both the mom or the dad or the child? Yeah. Well, so think about it. If everyone is living in a state of anxiety, mom, dad, and child and children, right? And, and you know, whatever they're doing, even if it's a stay-at-home, if there is a stay-at-home parent, if, if we're all in a state of anxiety, it's the opposite of being in a state of connection and relationship. Mm. So it's like we losing our ability to even connect in a real way. And so you see families where, you know, sure, maybe both parents are working, but it's not just that they're both working. I mean, that can be an issue in and of itself. But they're, when they are coming together, they aren't present. They aren't relating to each other. They're, they're, they haven't even discharged their own stress and anxieties. And so now they're just, instead of like connecting and building relationships, they're actually like bouncing off of each other. Mm and disconnecting all the more. So it's like we don't even know. It's like we've lost the art, some of us, right, in terms of slowing down and connecting with each other and being with each other 
relating to each other because that's our basic need, yeah. right? And and when you do that and you feel at home, the sense of being at home and connected, loved, cared for, all that, you're naturally your entire body relaxes. That is you know, very you're true. laughing, you're connecting, and it's like we're are we losing that right to social media? Are we losing that to our jobs? Are we losing that to the stressors? It's very unfortunate. Yeah, we're talking with Dr. Jerry Crete. He is author of the book, Litanies of the Heart, Reliving Post-Traumatic Stress and Calming Anxiety Through Healing Our Parts. You can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on the website at sophiainstitute.com, as well as talk about some of those ways on first recognizing it and then working on trying to solve it. They always say, and like you said, I mean, being isolated on social media kind of puts you down that rabbit hole of darkness. And just that physical touch, that actual giving someone a hug, being near someone, holding their hand, you know, as a significant other, whatever, that that just that physical touch, is it true that that actually does help someone be able to relieve some of this stress and anxiety in them? Yeah, well, I definitely would agree that would go a long way, right? Um, If you think about it, a lot of, you know, my book is focused a lot on anxiety and also trauma. And so if a person has experienced trauma that is connected to, physicality in some way or being rejected in some way or being hurt in some way, then, you know, it's kind of like physical touch can be maybe exactly what they need, but it may be the thing they recoil from as well. Right. And so we have to learn more. It's more than just, Oh yeah, let's, let's hug each other, even though we, Hey, that's great. (laughs) But it's more than that. It's about learning how to relate to each other and to be able, and then to do that, we do need to learn how to work through our own trauma which is kind of what the book is, is set out to do is learning to um, connect, you know, with one's body, learning how to discharge trauma, but learning what is going on in our inter- our interior world. And so that's the whole concept of part, which is kind of what the book is getting at is, is this concept that we have this inner multiplicity. We have these different parts within us that we need to learn how to love ourselves properly right care for ourselves properly not not selfishness but it's a proper self-love in order and releasing trauma is a big part of that in order to then love others and then make those connections with other people i love and hug them (laughs) and hug them yeah exactly to to be able to get to that point there is a distinction there and I, i focus on that for just a moment because there is kind of that stigma in society of when you talk about self love and actually loving yourself that it turns into this self-centeredness of, oh, they're always focused on themselves. Oh, they always do something just for themselves. And, oh, they're so selfish they don't think about other people. Because there's a line there between, you know, being, quote, unquote, selfish and then loving yourself and having that confidence, feeling good about yourself, and actually taking the time to really take care of yourself. Right, yeah. And and my whole approach in this isn't just self-care, even though, yeah, self-care is important. But it, it's, it's deeper than that. And I, and I do come at it you know, from a Christian point of view and in, in, in this book. And, and I, and I kind of highlight the love, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and all that, but also love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how, what does it mean to love yourself? Because if you are terrible to yourself, that's not a good example for your neighbor, right? That means, you know, you're not loving them any better. And so what, so what, you know, to your point, what does it mean to love oneself? Well, it means that, we're actually looking inside and recognizing the, our, the parts of ourselves that are broken, that have been wounded, that, uh, that maybe are compensating in some way to survive and whatnot. And, and how do we, loving that, them is wanting the good for those parts of ourselves. And so therefore we're wanting to relieve those burdens and we're wanting to bring our inner world into harmony. Yeah. So loving ourselves, it's not about 
eating a you know, bag of chips and brownies or something, or just going on vacation. It's about, it's about actually connecting and having an inner harmony, an inner, I would say like an inner temple, if you will, or an inner kingdom of God kind of thing, so that you can then turn to uh, others. It will be a whole different dynamic because what we normally do is we have parts of ourselves that are angry and bitter and holding on to resentments or addicted or whatnot. And, and, and then, what are people encountering in us? They're encountering those parts of us. Yeah, amen. And what's that going to draw out of them? It's going to draw out of them the parts of them that are resentful and angry and hurt and bitter and all that kind of stuff. I love it. Jerry, hang on the line. We'll come back with you in just a moment. Right back here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. It is the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. So great to have you with us here, wrapping up another hour. We're hanging out with Dr. Jerry Crete, author of the book Litanies of the Heart. You can find it on Amazon, other places as well. Reliving post-traumatic stress and calming anxiety through healing our hearts. We are talking about ways that we can start working in those. Give us some tidbits. I mean, how can we work on uh, we talked about kind of that, that self-love, that self-healing and bringing some of this out. Is it working through the trauma or, I'm just guessing here, it's probably not just taking the antidepressant pill that the doctor gave us and then going about our day and just doing the same old routine, is it? Right, right. And I, I'm never going to like say never take an antidepressant. I, I think it can be very helpful yeah. in situations. But I would say, <coughs> excuse me, I, I would say um, we're just dealing with symptoms when we're doing that. And, and I really want, I'm hoping this book does and work that I basically have done from my career as a mental health professional is to get underneath that and get at the root and get at the core. And that means looking inside ourselves, right. With compassion, with understanding and everything else, but purposefully. And so, you know, this book is really, um, I've done a few things like in one hand, I'm looking at traumatic stress. I'm looking at, um, uh, anxiety, and I'm, but I'm also looking at this sort of therapeutic method that's called parts work. And uh, the most popular type is internal family system. But I had a lot of concerns about it, just even as a Christian, the, you know, the, the psychology and the kind of beliefs underneath it, it seemed a little new age to me. It seemed questionable. And I really did a deep dive in terms of understanding how, what is a healthy way, right? Um, not a new age way or anything but a healthy way of looking at our internal world. And what I really discovered is that it is the fact that we aren't just a one personality that that's all we are. We actually have a lot of complexity within ourselves. Of these, uh, We describe them as parts or aspects of ourselves or sub-personalities. And some of those parts are carrying wounds. Some of those parts are very acting in very protective ways. And, and, and those parts that are acting in protective ways might be things from the past that we learned as a way to cope, right, to get through something that is now hurting us yeah. and hurting other people possibly too also. But, and so how, so my whole approach here is how do we actually do that? Like how can you look inside, connect with your inner world, connect with these parts and do that inner therapeutic work to, um, 
help our parts to let go of the things they don't need to hold on to anymore and to learn new patterns of behavior. And, and it's amazing because sometimes you go into therapy, some people have done talk therapy or whatever, and it's all really cognitive or it's all just focused on, focused on behavior. And, and that can be helpful. But what I found is this approach goes deep and is effective and much quicker but but we're more powerful because we're actually recognizing that we have inner conflict, yeah. we have parts at war with each other, and and yeah. So no, I agree. Yeah. Taste of it. And, and like you said, yeah, I mean that I guess in the quote unquote new age mentality from that, uh, because I, I've learned a lot of their the, a lot of the terminology, and uh, they use it, and it makes sense when they talk about healing your inner child, when they talk about doing shadow work, when they talk about, you know, trying to have that dark night of the soul, so to speak, is what uh, what some like to call it. It makes sense, because you have to heal those wounds, you have to open them up and work through them, however, what terminology you like to use with that, but it makes sense to try and heal it, as opposed to just cover it up, shove it down, which is what generations have done before. We have trauma, we're just going to shove it down, you're not allowed to cry man you're not allowed to do anything let's just push it off and just move forward when actually looking in and actually solving it is a major thing which leads me to and we got just about 45 seconds here left jerry but uh how important is it uh when it comes to faith and actually having faith in a higher power whatever that may be for an individual uh, to work through these things is that important in this healing process do you think I i really think it's key i mean a lot of this work can be very effective without it on just a very natural realm way but I feel like when we do connect with that inmost self, St. Paul talks about the inmost self, I do think we're opening up grace. We're able to receive grace in that. And a lot of the exercises in my books are inviting someone to do that and recognize that, that grace perfect nature, if you will, and that the two combined are actually very powerfully therapeutic. I love it. It's Dr. Jerry Creek. You can find the book Litanies of the Heart. You can find it on YouTube or on, uh, you can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on the website at sophiainstitute.com. We're out of time, my friend, but I love the conversation. We'd love to get you back on again real soon. That would be fantastic. Anytime. Dr. Jerry Creek, fascinating information about mental health, mental health awareness, and how we can start solving some of the issues. We're going to have to address it. We have to kind of face it straight on, don't we? Because if we don't, it's only going to get worse. And what do they continue to blame it on? Guns and things. Yeah, we'll do some of that when we come back here. Hour number two of the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition right around the corner. We have lots more to get to, plus Jeff Crank joining us with Americans for Prosperity in hour number two. Until then, we'll see you here on the radio. Stay here.